And I, I want to give you some scripture today and, and let you think about some things, as I said before. I'm going to read just the first passage, a familiar passage of scripture to just about everybody. This is what we call the Great Commission. Matthew, the 28th chapter, the 18th verse, down to the 20th verse. Now, let me give you the setting behind this real quick before we read it and are seated. Jesus had already been to Calvary. He had already died. He had already rose again. Now he's about to ascend into heaven. Just before he ascends up into heaven, Jesus tells his disciples these words that we're about to read. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, who was all power given unto? Jesus. That's what he said, right? He said, Go ye therefore. Somebody tell me what that word therefore means. Anybody? What does that word therefore mean? It means because of what I just told you, right? In other words, I just told you that all power was given to me. So because of this, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, let me give you a shocker. Jesus told his disciples to do this, but yet, I'm going to demonstrate to you in the Bible today that not once did his disciples ever baptize using the formula that we just read in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And the question is, did they get it wrong? That's the question. Since Jesus' disciples never once did it that way, something ain't right, or at least it appears not to be on the surface. So we're going to dig a little deeper today. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, let me go back to to look at this for just a minute, and I'm going to explain to you. First of all, I want you to understand, folks, that I don't believe for one minute that Peter, James, John, and the apostles were disobedient to Jesus. I don't believe for one minute, not for one second, do I believe that they got it wrong. Not for one second do I believe that the apostles said, well, Jesus told us to do it one way, but we're going to do it our own way. I've heard people tell me before, they'd say, but preacher, when I would explain this to them, they'd say, but preacher, I'm just going to take the words of Jesus. And then I would say, so what you're really telling me is when the apostles did it, that every case that they did it in the the book of Acts, that they were wrong. Well, if we can't trust what they preached then why not throw it all out? If we have to doubt everything that Peter ever said, if we have to doubt everything that Paul ever said, then why not just toss the whole thing out because we can't trust it? But when you understand how it all comes together, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jesus said, I I mentioned that word, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. In other words, he said, because I've got all power. He said, baptize them in the name of now, somebody tell me, is name in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen is it singular or is it plural? It's singular. Jesus did not say, baptize them in the names of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. He said, baptize them in the name, singular, one name 
of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now let me ask you this next question. Is Father, now think about this carefully, don't just blurt it out, but is Father a name or is it a title? I don't know anybody who's named Father. I don't know anybody who's named Son. I don't know anybody who's named Holy Ghost. So if Father is not a name, it is a title. And if Son is not a name, it is a title. And if Holy Ghost is not a name, it is a title. Then what we're really looking for and what Jesus was really saying is, there is one name that these titles apply to. One singular name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. Now, he just got through saying, I've got all power. Now, is he then going to come right back in and say, after I've got all power, to baptize in the names of three different people or persons? No, what he's saying is, I've got all power. Therefore, remember that word, therefore, means because of this. He said, baptize them in the name. Everybody say name, singular. Now, here's a way uh, one fellow I heard, my old pastor used to say it like this. He used to call it the four-way stop sign. So this is not original with me, and I'm, it's, it, you have to understand. Thank you, Brother Pittman. I got it from you, all right? But here's the situation. Imagine that an accident took place at an intersection. Now, imagine that when that accident took place, that there are four different people on four different corners, and each one of them sees the accident, right? The police come along, and they interview them. We got Vernon on one corner. We got Bruce on the other corner. All right, we got Sister Gray on a third corner. We got Harry on a fourth corner. Now, the police come along and they want to interview all four of you and find out exactly what happened. Now, if they interview the four of you and you have not gotten together ahead of time to correlate your versions, and you all four, assuming all four of you tell the truth, right? You are all four going to tell essentially the same story, right? But you're going to tell it from four different angles. And you're going to put it in your own words. Am I telling you the truth? Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four different versions of the same story. Each one of them tells Jesus' life. Each one of them says, this is what I saw from my angle. They're all telling the truth. They're just telling it from a different corner on the street. Now... What did Mark say about the Great Commission? Remember, all four of them gave us the Great Commission. We already read Matthew's version. Let's look at Mark's version. Mark 16, 15. And he that Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's pretty similar, isn't it? To what he said in Matthew 28, 19. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So Mark puts a little bit of extra information in there he doesn't tell us everything jesus said but he also tells us some things that jesus said that matthew didn't tell us about so mark adds a little bit of extra he puts it in his own words now mark doesn't tell us how jesus said to baptize mark just tells us that jesus said it was important right now let's look at luke's version of the great commission And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. How? In whose name? In his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now somebody might say, Well, Luke didn't say anything at all about about baptism. I beg to differ. 
Luke did say something about baptism because Luke said that repentance and remission of sins. And we're going to find out in just a little bit that remission of sins and baptism are tied together. So Luke mentioned baptism, but he just did it in an indirect way. And Luke said it's in his name, right? Now let's look at John's version. Now this is one that throws a lot of people for a loop. Let's read it. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So here we have Jesus given the great commission in John's words. But look at what he said. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And this has probably been a passage that has caused more people confusion. This is where many within the Catholic Church get the authority or feel that they get the authority to forgive sins. But if you understand what Jesus was saying, and if you understand the connection between baptism and remission of sins, then there's no problem here. We already saw that Matthew mentioned baptism. We saw that Mark mentioned baptism. We saw that Luke indirectly mentioned baptism when he said remission of sins. What Jesus is saying to his disciples in John is he's saying, you remit sins when you baptize people. All right? So he said, whosoever sins. He wasn't telling his disciples that they could forgive sins. What he was telling them is, go baptize, just like he told them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now let's look at how the apostles applied this. So we've seen four versions of the same story. Now we come to the apostles in action in the book of Acts. Now here we go. Think about this just a minute, everybody. Jesus is gone, at least in the flesh. He's still there in the spirit. The apostles are charged with obeying what he told them to do. This is something they take very seriously, don't you think? All right. The day of Pentecost comes. They, Peter preaches that great message, the Holy Ghost falls. Peter preaches that great message on the day of Pentecost. And look at Acts 2 and 37. This was the result. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now I want to pause right here and say this. Peter's got a problem here. He doesn't really have a problem, but to many he would have a problem. He is preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. The Bible says that there were 3,000 converted on that day. Those people were from all over the world. It was the Feast of Pentecost. Peter knew when they left. Sister Naira, he knew when they left that day. They didn't have a New Testament. They didn't have their little pocket Gideon Bible. They were going to go home with nothing but the Old Testament, which they had. They were going to go home with the Old Testament, with Peter's sermon, and with whatever experience they received on the day of Pentecost. That's all. There was no gospel of John at this point. There was no book of Matthew, book of Mark. None of that existed yet. It was not yet written. It was not yet distributed to the churches. So all they had was what Peter preached. And when those people left there that day, some of them were going to go to Galatia. Some of them were going to go to Thessalonica. Some of them were going to go to North Africa because they were there for the festival. Some of them were going to go to Rome. Some of them were going to go to Corinth. They were going to go all over the world. And so what he tells them at this point is critical. So here's what Peter's answer to them was when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in what? For what? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now let me tell you something. When Peter said, notice the tie between remission of sins and baptism. When Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, understand that all 12 disciples or the other 11 were sitting behind him on their seats watching him preach. Those other 11, Matthew, uh, John, uh, James, the, son, the, the sons of thunder, James and John, Bartholomew, Matthias, all of these guys were sitting behind him. The 120 were in the upper room. And when Peter spoke those words and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, not one of the other 11 disciples jumped up and grabbed him by the coat and said, wait, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus told us. Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Not one of them did that. Peter stood there and he preached to them and he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And Matthew agreed. James agreed. John agreed. Bartholomew agreed. Matthias agreed. Every last one of them agreed with what he was saying because not one of them jumped up and said, no, that's not right, Peter. You know why they agreed? Because they knew what the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost was. And so they understood what Peter was saying to the crowd. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Remember I said that the four versions of the Great Commission, two of them, Luke and John, mentioned remission of sins. Here we have it again. Now let's look at Acts 8. Here's a second instance. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Samaria was a city, by the way, where there's a great revival, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Notice the Holy Ghost was falling. They expected it to fall. It says, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Philip had already gone down to Samaria, had already preached Christ to him, and Philip, the evangelist, baptized him in Jesus' name. And when Peter and John went down afterwards, they didn't correct Philip. They didn't go back and say, well, Philip, you did it wrong. It should have been in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. No, they said, you did it right. We came down here because these people need the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And the rest of the story is they did receive the Holy Ghost. Now look at Acts 10. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This was Cornelius and his household. Acts 19, 1 through 5. And it came to pass. Now, I want you to notice this one. This one is especially interesting. It came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed to the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, 
Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, he, Paul basically saying, look, fellas, you say you're disciples. My question is, have you received the Holy Ghost? You're believers. I know you're believers. Have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And you know what Paul does? He goes back indirectly to Peter's message because Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. So Paul says, okay, well, let's take a look at this situation. He said, unto what then were you baptized? In other words, if you haven't got the Holy Ghost yet, Paul said there has to be a reason. And Paul said, so let's examine the reason. Let's go back and look at how you were baptized. He said, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. John the Baptist. Now, I want to point something out here to you. I had a fellow one time tell me, he said, preacher, I know I was baptized right. And I said, well, why? How do you know? He said, because I was baptized in the River Jordan. The fact of the matter is, is, Peter did not say when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He didn't say you need to go be baptized in the River Jordan. People will contort and twist everything to try to get out of just simply obeying the command. And he said, so then another time he said, well, I, I, not only was I baptized in the River Jordan, I was baptized seven times in the River Jordan. Okay. I was baptized in a swimming pool. But it was done right, and it didn't have to be done seven times either. The point of it is, is there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to be baptized in the River Jordan. There's no command in the Bible to be baptized seven times. But there is multiple, there are multiple commands to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, so look at what Paul said. They said, we were baptized by John the Baptist. Now, you know what? If their attitude had been wrong, they would have said... Who are you to tell us how to be baptized? We were baptized by John the Baptist. PhD, THD, double D. We were baptized by the greatest prophet of this generation according to the words of Jesus himself. We know we were baptized right. But look at, look at what happened. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto people, unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. In other words, fellas, it was good that you were baptized. That was a sign of repentance. That was great. But he said the real purpose of baptism was to apply the name of Jesus Christ to your life. So you know what he did? He says when they heard this, they didn't get an attitude. They didn't buck up against him. They didn't say we were baptized by the greatest prophet of this generation. Look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody, I've had people say to me, what, what difference does it make? I'll tell you what difference it makes. Go try to write a check out to Ingalls sometimes or Bilo and sign it son or sign it father. See how far you get with that. There is a significance in a name. And there is special significance in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. I don't have time to go into all of it today, all of the the interworkings of, of, of the relationship of Jesus to the Father and all this. Let me just suffice it by saying, Jesus himself said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the personification of the Father. In other words, the Father has no name apart from Jesus. All right? When Jesus also told his disciples, he said, Behold, I am with you, but I shall be in you as the comforter. In other words, the Holy Ghost has no name other than Jesus. There was only one name. We don't have to worry about which name it was. It was the name that the apostles used. It was the name that they used in Acts 2, the name they used in Acts 8, the name they used in Acts 10, the name they used in Acts 19. It was consistently the same. Now, I've had people, again, ask the question. They say, well, again, what difference does it make? Here's, here's another thing I've heard people say. Well, it doesn't matter. You can be baptized in the name of the Father or the name of the Son or the name of the Holy Ghost. And I say, okay, if that is the case, I'm talking about using that, that formula. Then I ask you this question. Why didn't they? We got four examples in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Only four. And not one time. Not once. Not once did they baptize anybody in the name of the Son. Not once did they baptize anybody in the name of the Father. Not once did they baptize anybody in the name of the Holy Ghost. In all four cases, they understood what Matthew 28 and 19 meant when it said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. They said, Jesus wants us to baptize in His name. Now, here's another way of looking at it. And I'm, I'm going to close with it. I know I've given you a lot to think about today, haven't I? But I've got another way of looking at it is this. I've got a 19-year-old son, and I tell him to do a lot of things that he doesn't do. Here, come here, Zachary. Just stand over here for me for a second. He didn't intend to get up and be used as an object lesson, but he will be. He was coming up to the piano, I think. But here's the thing. If I said to him, for example, he had some issues with his car that I got onto him about for not checking his fluids properly in his, or often enough in his car. But if I say to Zachary, if I give him a command, Brother Harry, if I say, go check your oil in your car. And Zachary looks at me and Zachary says, go check your oil in your car. Has he repeated the command or has he executed the command? He's repeated it, Right. If I baptize somebody in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost and I just repeat it, that's all I've done is repeat the command. But if I baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, which is what the disciples did, I have gone beyond just repeating it. I have executed the command. Are you understanding what I'm saying here? And, and there are, and, and now somebody else, let me just, again, this last thing that I'm going to share with you about this and I'm not trying to be look I don't I don't intend at all one thing I have learned in my old age is I have learned how to be a little bit softer in my presentation 
Now, when I was a young buck, I'd preach messages, and every message was, you're going to hell like a bullet, you know, and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and, and I've, I've learned a lot in my old age. And I don't mean at all, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any churches. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm trying to inform you. You told me at the outset you wanted the truth, right? Now, let me, tell, let me share this, this with you. Would it shock you to know that the majority of churches don't baptize in Jesus' name? The vast majority do not. Now, somebody might say, well, why don't they? Because it's pretty clear what we've seen here. As a matter of fact, let me give you a little quick story. A few years ago, Lifeway Christian Bookstore threatened to cut off and stop carrying all of T.D. Jakes' books. You know why? Because he baptizes in Jesus' name. You didn't know that, did you? And they made T.D. Jakes come out with... He basically issued some kind of mealy, wishy-washy statement because he wanted to sell books. Again, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just stating facts. But here's my point. Somebody might say, if it's so clear, Pastor, then why is it that the majority of churches don't do what the apostles do? You've heard me talk about being apostolic. That means we do it like the apostles did it. Well, if the apostles, and you saw it in your, with your own eyes, you can check it in your own Bible. If the apostles did it this way, then why don't churches do it this way? And here's the answer. In the years after the apostles, the church began to gradually, over a period of several hundred years, move away from the apostles' doctrine. And what they started doing is they started bringing in Outside doctrines. And all of this kind of came to a head around the time of the Council of Nicaea, 325 A.D. And about 325 A.D., the, by this time the church began to institute in various and sundry doctrines and it became a matter of tradition. But if you go look at any historical, any accurate historical biblical history book about the New Testament, they will tell you the early church baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, your own Bible tells you that. They will tell you, but on a historical basis, we know this to be a fact. But tradition got in the way. And so what happened is, is churches began to hold after traditions. Uh, I got a, a note this morning from, I read this morning something Sister Monroe posted on Facebook about a pastor over there in, in Anderson, to his credit, they're baptizing him in Jesus' name today, a pastor of a church. To his credit, to his credit, and you very rarely run into this, but this pastor has told them after seeing it that truth mattered more to him than his credentials or his license. And if they kick him out of the organization that he's in, he still has to stick with what he sees in the Bible. So, my question to you, as Paul said to the believers in Acts 19, the disciples at Ephesus, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard whether there is any Holy Ghost. And what did Paul say? How were you baptized? It mattered enough that they were rebaptized.
Am I telling you the truth? It mattered enough that they were rebaptized. I want you to pray about that. I know this hadn't been a hoop and holler and run and dance and jumping type sermon, but I told Amanda a couple weeks ago. I said, uh, you know, one of the things I think that I that I as a pastor, God's calling me back to. We're we're talking about all this growth and everything, and we are growing, and we're going to continue to grow. But I'm going to tell you something. God is calling me back to some of the things that I know work. And fundamental doctrine is one of those. And Paul said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. A lot of churches nowadays tell you, don't worry about doctrine. Don't fool with doctrine. Stay away from doctrine. Doctrine's not a dirty word. You read what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. And Paul kept saying, Timothy, I'm concerned that you Preach the doctrine. Preach the doctrine. Preach the doctrine. Preach the doctrine. They need to know the doctrine. Something happens when a person takes on that name in baptism. When you when you got married, those of you that have been married before, what happened? What did you do? Whose name, ladies? Whose name did you take on? Your husband's, right? Now, I know that's not, that's not as common as it used to be, but it used to be a no-brainer. You took on the name of your husband. The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. How do we take on our husband's name? When we go down in the waters of baptism and we say, I'm taking on that precious name. I want us to sing this chorus, I will give you all, I will give you all. Oh, I will give you all, I will give you all, if all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold, and if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cost. And be willing to say yes. Sing it again. Oh, I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less Giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cost. Be willing to say yes. I want, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want, if if I could, just have everybody bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to tell you one more thing before we dismiss today. You've heard me talk, no doubt, every service you come, you hear me talk a lot about this thing that we call the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you how much, I can't describe to you how much it will change your life if you've never received the Holy Ghost. And let me say this, while it is true, and I want, please, if you would, every head bow, every eye closed, while it is true, And there are biblical examples of God filling people with the Holy Ghost even before they were baptized in Jesus' name. There is no biblical promise that 
tells us that God has to do that. But we do have a promise that Peter said to all of those people that were there on the day of Pentecost when he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He said, You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He did not say maybe. He did not say might. He did not say could be. He said when you repent and you are baptized, you shall receive. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And what I want us to do right now, together, corporately, repentance. He said you got to repent. John the Baptist wouldn't even baptize people who hadn't repented yet. When I baptize people, that's one of the first questions I ask them. Have you repented of your sins? Repentance is an act of complete surrender to God. It's completely turning your life over to Him and saying, Lord, I want to live for you from this day forward. I want to do my best to be pleasing to you. A lot of places you'll go that'll say, just accept Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us to just accept Him. Matter of fact, there's nothing in the Bible that just simply says accept Him. Instead, the Bible over and over again tells us what to do to repent. And it talks about God accepting us. And when we repent and when we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, He promises to accept us. It's a promise. And so I'm going to tell you like Jesus said. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Like Peter did, repent. Like Paul did in another place when he said, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. If you've never repented of your sins today, I want you to do that with me right now. I want you to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. I want to give my life to you. Lord, I want to surrender to you. I want to be obedient to your word. I want to follow your will. I want to follow your way. I want to do everything you want me to do. And if you say that and if you mean that from the bottom of your heart and you're willing to submit to baptism in the name that is above every name, he has promised you that he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Hallelujah. 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 From heaven, touch our generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are your people. Praise Crying out in desperation. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Lord, go ahead. If you haven't done so, repent of your sins. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. I want to live for you. I want to give my life to you today. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Hear us from heaven. Lord, I'm not coming to you, putting you into my little black book today. I'm not 
accepting you, Lord. I'm asking you to accept me. I'm asking you to forgive me because I'm unworthy and I'm undeserving of your grace and of your mercy. Will you accept me, Lord? Will you forgive me today?